The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I'm wanting to get into the Word this morning. Uh, had a number of, of shifts and changes during the worship uh, in my heart for, for how to, to go about delivering the Word this morning, so much so that uh, i got to say, I think I might be a little nervous. I asked one of the ushers, is it a little hot in there? And he said, no, I'm kind of cool, actually. So I'm thinking, I'm sweating it then this morning. So we'll see uh, where we end up going. But I know God has great things for us. If you're taking notes, there's a few things that we can look forward to as we get into the Word this morning. I encourage that as kind of milestones uh, as we move through the Scripture. Uh, it, it helps us to stay united and connected there. Here's one thing we'll find. We'll find this early on, and that's our identity, who we are. Uh, that's a real important thing to, to know and understand. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll get into that in further detail uh, as we uh, open up the message here. Uh, another thing that we're going to find is the effect of God's love on your life. The effect of God's love on your life. It's a, it's a really wonderful thing uh, to see in the scripture and to anticipate. Uh, it's, a, it's an even greater thing to uh, experience and witness being manifest in and through your life. Uh, another thing that we're going to find is what being a child of God looks like. What it looks like. as a good thing to know so that we can begin to examine ourselves as the scripture would encourage us to do and uh, identify the things that... Uh, we are producing and, and make sure that they are in line with uh, how we are called to appear to the world. Uh, I want to get right into the Word this morning. So if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to go to the book of Romans. We're going to open up there. I told you we're going to find out you know, our identity, who we are. We'll see that here in the book of Romans. Uh, I want to jump right in there and lay a foundation. Romans uh, chapter 14, I want to read verses 17 and 18. Now, we're looking for our identity here, and I think it's a, an important and necessary thing to, uh, to have in our lives uh, in order to uh, understand the Scripture. Uh, I'll give you a, a, this passage here from Romans first, and we'll talk about it just a little bit. Uh, give thanks to God, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. That is a mouthful. I mean, if you want to come up here and uh, test your reading skills, come up here and read that passage. I mean, it's a little bit awkward to read. It, it doesn't just flow, but there's a lot of things there that are being communicated. Uh, a lot of wonderful things, honestly. I mean, this is a passage of Scripture that if you begin uh, to separate the things identified, if, if you are one that marks up your Bible with, you know, stars and circles and underlining, this is going to turn into a collage of markings here because of the number of things being communicated. One, it's a call to thanksgiving. And I think that's uh, what is, is worthy of being acknowledged first and foremost. That this passage of scripture is a call to thanksgiving. It means that the information that is going to be following this call to thanks is the reason why we can be grateful. And, and I believe gratitude is at the foundation of, of everything in good in our lives. I mean, it's impossible to function as a Christian without gratitude. Everything in your life concerning the kingdom of God is a gift. Everything. There's not one thing that can be earned or achieved or deserved. Well, I shouldn't say deserved because I, I have certain views on that. But, but it's not something that is earned or achieved. 
The reason why I get hung up on deserved is God has seen you fit. Therefore, since God says you deserve it, you deserve it, whether you think you do or not. But that everything is a gift. Therefore, gratitude is going to be at the base of everything we do. This call to give thanks to God is a call to, to thanksgiving and a call to gratitude for this reason. That identification that's revealed next. Brethren beloved by the Lord. Brethren beloved by the Lord because God has chosen you. So I see this call to thanks and I see the, the cause. The cause is this being chosen by God. Uh, if you went to English class and you paid attention, you'll, you'll see that there's a, a, a section here that you can actually remove from the sentence. It's identified by two commas there, brethren beloved by the Lord, that's the identity part. You can remove that and the scripture would read like this, give thanks to God because God has chosen you. That's where you're going to see the, the cause and effect. The effect is this gratitude, this lifestyle of thanksgiving. The cause is the choosing that God chose you. The fact that God chose you is supposed to produce in us this wonderful effect of thanksgiving. Now, you can sit and scratch your head and wonder why that, that seems a little bit odd. But the idea that God has chosen you is a wonderful and powerful truth. In fact, it could be the wonderful and powerful truth. Without God's choosing you, the identity of being those whom he loves would be non-existent. The fact that you have been chosen means that God had a choice or a decision in the first place. That nothing has been done by force or by obligation, but that he had options. And that by his own decision, through weighing those options, the decision was made to rescue your life. Not only rescue your life, but rescue your life at a great price. The very blood of Jesus. Give thanks to God because he chose you. Now this creates this identity that now you are the ones who are loved by God. Or as the scripture would say, beloved. Whether you want to say beloved or beloved, however you choose to pronounce it, we're going to call that potato, potato, okay? But the point is, is that you are the beloved. This is the identity. When I told you before, we're going to find out who we are. I really want to emphasize this. We are the beloved. Now, it's important to establish this because to know this identity is to help to understand and be aware when you're being spoken to. That might sound a little goofy, but when you know who you are, you know when you're being addressed. I remember once through some very odd and complicated circumstances, I was in a bit of a bind and I was in a, a place that was not familiar to me. It was in the heart of inner city, Detroit, Michigan, and I needed to get some medical attention. It was a, a serious issue, and there was no way that I could secure transportation because of the, the time, the hour. I walked from what is the Detroit Renaissance Center to Detroit Receiving Hospital, and I can tell you the miles that make up that walk on foot are uh, colorful. It's pretty interesting. Uh, it, it, and so... As I was making this walk, it wasn't uncommon for me to hear, hey, white boy. Well, what was funny was every time I heard, hey, white boy, I stopped and turned. Why would I stop and turn? How did I know they were talking to me? Well, because in that place, that was my identity. Every time I heard it, I knew they were talking to me. Now, when we see that we're the beloved in the scripture, what I want us to do is have that same effect where when we see the word beloved, we know, hey, they're talking to me. I want to stop and pay attention here. 
I know that is who I am. Therefore, when I hear that called out, I turn and look. I mean, if I were standing in a crowded room and someone said, hey, good looking, I would turn and look. Why? Because that's my identity. Surely you're talking to me. When you know what your identity is, you know when you're being addressed. So to adopt that as your identity would open up the door for you to see it in the Scripture and those words come off the page. No, these words are for me. They're not for someone else only, but they are for me too. I am the beloved and those words are spoken directly to and for my life. The reason for that is that choosing as we spoke of, and I've told you this often before, that there's a bit of a saying in my house and sometimes this saying can sting a little bit, but it came from my wife Ashley one day we were having a conversation about priorities and there was a little bit of a, a, a mismanagement of priorities which was producing a negative effect and, and uh, she made the comment about the choices that were being made in this situation and uh, I made the comment, well, you, you, know, you know, I love you and she responded with this comment. Now, it wasn't in rebellion or it wasn't in any emasculating way. It was in a very helpful an encouraging and uplifting way, she said, honey, what you choose is what you love. And, and those words have really stuck with me. I mean, it was, it was piercing when she said it, and I think it was really empowered by the Holy Ghost when she said it. And when I look in the scripture, I see that. What you choose is what you love. I'm now the beloved. Why? Because God chose me. What he chose is what he loves. He loves me. He loves you. And he's displayed that to all of the world by choosing you. Jesus says the same thing when he speaks in John 15, 16. He said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. Now, as we stated earlier during communion, we need to understand who Jesus is in order to understand this passage of Scripture. This isn't spoken out of some insecurity. This isn't some passive-aggressive way to establish a pecking order. This isn't Jesus saying, hey, don't you forget who did this for you. This is Jesus revealing to you a wonderful, powerful, releasing truth that we didn't come to him through our achievements, but rather we were chosen by him because of his love and his affection for us, which is meant to be absolutely liberating. Colossians 3.12 reveals these words. It, it, it speaks of those who have been chosen by God are holy and beloved goes on to describe how we're called to be. It uses wonderful and, and rich words that describe the life of the believer. In fact, let me turn there and read them to you so that we can have them together. From Colossians 3 and verse 12. Those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness. Be patient Bear with one another. Forgive one another. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, let there be forgiveness. Just as the Lord forgave you, so you should forgive. And beyond these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. What a wonderful call for those who have been chosen by God, those who are loved by God, those who are the beloved. I want to adopt that as my identity. I mean, it's not a word that we use in our day-to-day -day vocabulary, but I really want that. 
And for the word beloved to be in the scripture but not used in my day-to-day vocabulary is, is puts the word beloved and its meaning at great risk. It can just be read right through and, and not seen for what it really is. And when I stop and think about it without overcomplicating it, to consider what the word beloved means, it simply means to be loved. And when I can come into the awareness that that is my identity, that I am a man who is loved by God, I come into my identity as a man who is set free from a number of fears and anxieties, if not all fears and anxieties, according to the scripture. I come into my identity as a man who is empowered to be and to do great things in the name of the Lord. To be loved. Here's a a few examples of what being loved produces in our lives. I'll give you uh, several passages of Scripture here. Uh, One will be from the psalm, Psalm 108, beginning in verse 3. Uh, We'll read to verse 6. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises among the nations. For your loving kindness is great above the heavens. Your truth, it reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above all the heavens. Your glory above the earth. That your beloved may be delivered and saved by your right hand. Let your answer come to me. Let your solution come to me. Let your victory come to me. All because of that identity of being loved. You see deliverance, victory, God bringing answers to the situations and the questions where we need solution and answer. Psalm 60, beginning in verse 4, speaks in a similar way. You have given a banner to those who fear your name. And it may be displayed because it's true that your beloved are delivered and saved by your right hand. Let your answer come to us. I mean, these are prayers that are being prayed in a time of need, in a time of need for direction or counsel, in a time of need for a display of God's power or strength, crying out for God's solution. The reason why his solution would come would be because he loves us. Because we are the beloved. And there's wonderful uh, effects that come from this uh, uh, being chosen in this deliverance that comes. This this, uh, result of of knowing that God's answer will come. You can find it in the book of Deuteronomy 33.12. It reads like this. The beloved of the Lord dwell in security by him. By the one who shields him all of the day. And he will dwell between his shoulders. It's kind of a weird way to end that passage, isn't it? He will dwell between his shoulders. When I read that passage of scripture, I I see the wonderful results of knowing that I'm loved and knowing that deliverance is the result of that love. That God loves me so much that he will be present to bring what's needed in my time of need. It introduces this wonderful security into my life. A security that allows me to focus on his solution rather than focus on my problem. And when I see the same promise that he would offer to Abraham, that he would be a shield to me, it's followed by that statement at the end that provokes tremendous interest that the one who is living in this security will dwell between his shoulders. It tells me that God will carry me on his back. That when I can't go any further... When all of my strength is spent, when I'm found unable to produce, unable to perform, that my heavenly Father would place me between his shoulders and continue to move me in the direction in which he's called me to go. 
That's the kind of security that comes with being loved, with knowing that God's paid the highest price to bring us out of captivity and into freedom. That why would he abandon us at this point to suffer and to fail, but that he will continue to provide counsel. He will continue to provide direction. He will continue to make a way. It's a wonderful thing to stand in the freedom and the security that comes from being loved. The reason why there's such security is because love has this powerful effect. That effect is the removal or the driving out, so to speak, of fear and anxiety. When it comes to fear, you can see that love is one of the things that God's bringing into our life to, to annihilate fear. You find that in 2 Timothy 1.7. God hasn't given us a spirit of love, but of power, or excuse me, fear, spirit of fear, but of power, love, and soundness of mind. That God's combating the spirit of fear that exists in the world today through the, the impartation of power by the Holy Spirit, the presence of love by His uh, choosing us and the soundness of mind that comes through the renewal of our mind by the Holy Ghost and by the presence of our King Jesus in and through our lives with His counsel. First uh, John chapter 4 speaks these words to us beginning in verse 18 concerning uh, being beloved and being the loved of the Lord and the result of it that should result in deliverance and security according to God's promise. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. I love the, the idea that it casts it out, that it doesn't just take up the space where fear would be, but that to introduce love into a situation is to drive fear away. Now, oftentimes when there's been the, uh, the presence of anxiety or, or fear would attempt to grip my life, I would try to minister to or to respond to that fear or anxiety with courage. And I could find myself on a bit of a, a roller coaster because I would think that you would combat fear with courage. But based on this passage of scripture, I can see that you would combat fear not with courage, but with love. I may see and face things that are too great for me, but because I'm chosen and because I'm loved, I know that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world, and that's the one who's promised to put me between his shoulders and carry me on his back through whatever I may face. It's the reason why I don't have to be afraid. It's the reason why anxiety has to leave and it's driven away. I want to offer a couple of passages of Scripture here as we, uh, we continue. One of those things I told you we would find, and it would be the effects of God's love on your life. Now, many would say, based on what I just shared, well, the effects would be the absence of fear and anxiety, and I think that's a, a very noble and, and good answer, but I want to offer this to you as well as the effects of God's love on your life. Uh, from Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 5, you'll see that God is revealing uh, the, the power and the presence of his love active in your life, us being the beloved and the result of it. Deuteronomy 23, verse 5, it reads like this, The Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loves you. Uh, I mean, I don't think you could have a more extreme example of a 180-degree turn than this, to go from curse to blessing. These are the, the most extreme opposites that could be presented to, to verbally communicate the power of God's love to turn things around. 
there's no uh, addiction, there's no circumstance, there's no bondage that's too great that would fall outside of this category or that would be superior to this example that God's love is powerful enough to transform curse to blessing for you and that that power is present in your life and for your life all because God loves you. I mean, it's an enriching and empowering statement. It causes me to realize that there's absolutely nothing that God can't or won't do on my behalf all because he loves me. And then here's a, a powerful effect on this freedom and this liberation, the being chosen by God, being beloved. There's an open door for great and wonderful things to happen, not just for my life or in my life, but through my life. I'll give you a passage of Scripture here, a passage of Scripture that's speaking about Jesus, but I want you to hear the description that's given, and I want you to know and understand that this description is the same description that can be bestowed upon our lives today. Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 15. It speaks of Jesus and it says, Many followed him, and he healed them all. And as he warned them not to reveal who he was as the Messiah, he continued to minister, and this was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. Now here's where I'd like for us to pay attention. Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, and whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him. What a wonderful thing that Jesus is described as such. This is the same description that could be applied to your life. You can put your name in that blank. We could just choose the, the name of anyone who has called upon the name of the Lord, been delivered, been uh, redeemed, and been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Behold, my, my servant Preston, whom I've chosen, he's my beloved. My soul is well pleased with him, and I've put my spirit upon him. Now, the reason for including the earlier parts of this scripture was to show that's why the ministry of Jesus is so effective. It's the reason why the ministry of Jesus would have any power or any effect. And it's the reason why the ministry that God has called you to would have any power or any effect. It all starts with his choosing you because he loves you, being pleased with you, and his spirit being poured out upon you so that the two of you can have fellowship together. You're just like Jesus. Same calling. Same anointing. Same being chosen. Same being loved. Same pleasure to God. Just as pleased with you as he would be Jesus. And the same Holy Spirit poured out upon your life. I mentioned before that we were going to find what being a child of God looked like. I want to find that, but before we do, I want to set it up with a couple of passages of Scripture here. Uh, one, I want to look at 1 John chapter 4. I want to begin in verse 7. Beginning in verse 7, you see this identity being called out, beloved. The same way that your name might be called out and it would draw your attention. You would stop what you're doing and you would focus. I would hope that when you see the word beloved called out in the Scripture, that it would cause you to pause and to realize this is being delivered to me. That's my identity and the following words are meant to be for my ears. Beloved, let us love one another. 
For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. It goes on to say that the one that does not love does not know God, because God himself is love. And by this, the love of God was manifest in us, that God sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. And in this love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Did you catch that? That you have been loved by him. He sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, that's your identity again. He's emphasizing who this is being directed to, and that's you. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another the same way. That's what being a a child of God should look like. It's being set up here that we're having this love revealed to us in such a way that it's being not only identified and described in the Scripture, but it's been lived out and revealed in example. Not just a commandment written down on stone, but rather a lifestyle lived out, Jesus being the apostle or the example for our lives that he would come and perform these things on our behalf so that we could see how we're called to live. Now, this is one of three places in the scripture where you'll find the word propitiation used. That's a really big word, but it really means to take one's place. That Jesus took your place upon the cross, that he took your punishment. That everything that you deserved, that he took upon himself. Now, this is a really fantastic thing to consider. I mean, there's plenty of room here for an individual's Bible IQ to go up a few points when they understand this. But it's really not meant to just be for the sake of trivia. It's meant to be to have an effect on our heart. It's meant to be there to have an effect on our mind. It's meant to be there to reveal to us the example of Jesus Christ that we're meant to follow after. That in the same way that he would lay down his life, that he would take all of the false accusation, that he would take all of the suffering, and that he would refuse to vindicate himself, but that he would leave room for God to deliver, is meant to be the example that we're called to live by, meant to be the standard of love that we're called to love by. That is the purpose of this verse. And it would bear witness with the words that Jesus would speak, that he would speak a similar passage to us when he would speak to us in the Gospel of John chapter 13. You'll see it in verse 34. When he sits and he speaks to those who are his disciples, well, to those of us in this room who are disciples of Jesus Christ, these words would still ring out true, directed to us. He would say, a new commandment I give to you, that you would love one another, even as I have loved you, that you would love one another. Now, when I read that passage of Scripture, there's a part of me that is, is warmed in, in, in and lifted in my spirit, and there's another part of me that's absolutely terrified. It's kind of like wedding vows, really, where you hear it and the poetry of it is so moving, but when you consider what's actually being spoken, it's really, really powerful. And ought to be considered with tremendous reverence. This new commandment and this call to love produces something both warm and fuzzy in me and something that is is both reverent in understanding that this is, is a really tremendous duty and responsibility. 
A new commandment I've given you that you would love one another. And then he goes on to emphasize what that even means and what it looks like. The way that I have loved, I've called you to love. When I consider how Jesus has loved me, it's a pretty amazing call. He loved me when I hated him. He loved me when I caused him harm. He loved me when I slandered him. He loved me when I devoted every bit of my existence to denying his. He loved me in the midst of enmity. And he's now told me to go and love the same way. I mean, it's a pretty amazing call to love. It's more than what the world would consider love. It it is a, a sacrificial a lifestyle, one that doesn't put self first, but one that puts self last at all times. And then we see the verse that would follow this after we hear that this is the new commandment and we hear the, the, the depth of this commandment and the example that's going to be revealed to us uh, through the, the suffering of the cross. We see that this is not just a suggestion, but Jesus goes on to say, it's by this that all men will know that you're my disciples. I mean, let me reword that. It's by this that all men will know that you're Christians. If you have this love for one another. Pretty amazing and pretty powerful. It causes us to to pause and realize what it means to be beloved. To have this love in our lives. Because it's not just there for our comfort. Rather, it's there also for our example. To come to the place where you realize you've been chosen, to come to the place where you realize that you're loved, and to know all of the security that comes in that, all of the the victory that comes through that, that Jesus would lay down his life so that we could live, to see all of those things is a wonderful and, and empowering thing to receive, but to understand also that that's an example given that we might live by that example is a wonderful and powerful responsibility to take up. Not to be burdened with a labor or a work, but to understand that these things have been given to us so that we might go and freely give them. It's a call to a lifestyle of living like Jesus, loving like Jesus, and the result being living our lives as a child of God should live. I'll close with that. I told you before we're going to find what being a child of God looks like. I'd like to offer that to you right now. From the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, I want to read verse 1. Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 1, it reads like this. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God. This call to be beloved, this call to appear to the world as the children of God, this call to take up our identity as those who are loved by God, those who are being loved by God, is a call to imitate God, to walk in the same manner as Jesus and to follow his example, to be willing to love and lay yourself down. It's a wonderful call and it's contrary to the culture, the culture that would preach and and speak of self-preservation. The call to lay oneself down is a call to take up a Christ-like lifestyle. 
But above all, it's a call to not only receive the love of God, but to be the love of God. And that's the call that we have upon our lives as we're called the beloved. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray for us as it concerns the word that we've received. I want to see and believe God to do wonderful things in and through our lives. It's one thing to offer such a a powerful call, and it's another thing to have that be a revelation in one's heart. And it's my desire that by the Holy Spirit it be a revelation in our hearts. I mean, to stand and to hear a preacher tell you that you're supposed to love to the point of laying down your life is, in my opinion, to be burdened by a preacher. But to come and hear the truth of the Word of God and have the Holy Spirit reveal this wonderful and powerful truth to your heart is to be empowered and enriched to what God has called and equipped you to do. And it's my desire that as we get into the Word that it transcend just the exchange of information, but that an opportunity be opened up for the Holy Ghost to work in our hearts. That it not be education, but that the door be opened for it to be revelation. And I really see my duty as the duty to come and expose the word, to, to, to speak it and to deliver it, to place it out there. But in doing so, it's not to create a, a burden for you to have to carry the rest of your life, but rather it's meant to be an open door for the Holy Spirit to begin to reveal powerful things to our lives. To understand that you're called not just to receive the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, but to have the sacrifice of Jesus Christ be set before you as an example is something that can only be lived out when that becomes a a revelation that's fueled and driven by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. For it to simply be academic is for it to be a burden, but for it to be empowered and enriched by the Holy Spirit is for it to be the transformation that God has called his word to bring into our lives. That's what I want to pray for. You're welcome to be in agreement with me or in just a state of receiving, but I'd like for us to pray before we dismiss. Father, we thank you for your word of truth. We thank you that you've chosen us. And let the wonders of being chosen wash over our hearts and mind. Let that flood wash away all inferiority. That we would see the wonders of your love at the revelation that you've chosen us. Let it be enriching. Let it be empowering. Let it bring to us all of the wonders of your loving kindness. And let those do their powerful work in and through our lives. And bring us to a place of knowledge of our identity as being those who are loved by you. That any strife or striving to achieve such a thing would be laid down and that we would simply see and know that we didn't choose you, but you chose us. That we love you because you first loved us. And let our identity as the beloved be set before our eyes and our hearts. Let it be taken up as a mantle and a banner over our lives, revealing the faith in your deliverance to bring counsel and direction into every situation and circumstance. Let it be understood and known that you are present to lead us and to guide us and to even pick us up and carry us. That your love for us is without end. And let the love that has been manifest and set before our eyes through the actions of our King Jesus not only be received 
as a wonderful gift bestowed upon our lives, but let it be seen as a powerful example of how we've been called to live. And by the Holy Spirit, let there be a revelation that would have a transforming effect on our hearts and minds. That this wouldn't be a legalistic burden, but that this would be an empowering fire burning inside of us. A shift and a change in our motivations in how we live and how we choose and how we speak and how we perform every action in our life. And let those motives bring you honor and glory that we would continue to move into your image after your likeness, being transformed every day to look more and more like Jesus. We give you thanks and we bless you. We thank you for the wonders of your word and the powerful work of the Holy Spirit in and through our lives. Be glorified as we walk out our lives through our identity as the beloved, chosen of the Lord. We bless your name and thank you in Jesus' mighty name and all the saints declare Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.